Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. The fertility process has so many things. It is so many things, and one of the things it has a lot of is waiting. Waiting for eight days after transfer, waiting weeks after genetic testing, waiting for fertilization and blasts and embryos, and on and on and on and on and on. So much waiting. And it can feel so hard. Oh my gosh, that waiting can feel so hard. Typically, the hard part is the worry and the feeling out of control of the situation, the unknown, worrying about the unknown. Ugh, it's very uncomfortable. And because of all the emotion, we can feel so overwhelmed with emotion and we're so vulnerable to overeating, to emotional eating, eating to cope, to comfort that discomfort of the emotion, of the worry, of the unknown. And of course, that emotional eating, that overeating, that eating for anything other than fuel, which is what hunger tells us about, right? When we're hungry, we know we need fuel. If we're not hungry and we're eating, we're overeating. We're not eating for the reason that we're supposed to eat. So if we're eating to comfort that discomfort, that uncomfortable feeling of worry, then we're going to gain weight. And of course, that's what we talk about around here. We want healthy pregnancy, healthy retrieval, healthy transfer, all of it. So that's what we talk about. And so that's why we're talking about it here. It would be so lovely to have a way to go through this time with more ease and fewer calories. And so that's what we're talking about today on the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast, waiting and wait. So you can see if your only coping mechanism is eating, you'd be eating from dawn to dusk, right? During these waiting periods. I mean, there's just, there's just a hum of anxiety. And so we're talking about how to get through bouts of waiting without emotional eating. Won't that be so good? You really can do that. Of course, we're going to talk about it, but I'm so excited at the idea. If you can think it's true that you can go through eight days of not knowing and worrying, or we're going to be talking about that, of, of emotion without overeating because you have another way to deal with the feelings. Isn't that great? It's so exciting. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that today. It's possible. It really, really is. The bottom line is we have to accept that we are going to have feelings. It's not a normal week. It's an unusual week. Now, of course, we have feelings every week, right? But we can, we can think of these waiting periods as special. And I encourage you to do that. We want to get to a place where we can worry without eating over it. And then also we're going to figure out how to deal with the worry, which, well, Spoiler alert, it does not mean get rid of worry, but we're going to have a different way of dealing with it, okay? And so today, four strategies for waiting without weight gain. That's what we're doing. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what they are, we're going to talk about them, and then I'm going to tell you what they are again. I've said that before, but it's a nice way to learn. Here are the four strategies we're going to talk about. Four strategies for waiting without weight gain. Number one, anticipate how you'll feel. Number two, plan accordingly. Number three, self-care. Now there's a new definition here, so listen up for that one. And number four is the emergency strategy for how to deal with worry, okay? And it's an emergency strategy, but it can be used always. In fact, that would be amazing 
So anyway, we'll get to that. That's number four. Let's start with number one. Anticipate how you'll feel. Okay. You'll recognize this from all the talk of food. None of this is brand spanking new, but it's when we apply it to different situations, different areas, it can feel new because it's not what we're used to doing. So that's a really important idea. I love that the concepts aren't brand new. We're just shining lights on different parts and using them. So anticipating how you'll feel means that you're taking yourself into consideration. So it may not be a surprise that you'll be worried. Now, look, if you're not worried and it's a breeze and it's no problem, oh, you're amazing. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yay for you. Then you're probably not overeating during that time. Or if you don't think you're worried, but you're just eating constantly, I'd invite you to notice why. There might be worry underneath. There might not. There could be sadness underneath. I was going to say there could be joy. Maybe there is joy because you're, you're like, I'm pregnant for eight days until I know otherwise. I mean, there really could be joy there. And if there is amazing, and it's not a problem at all, unless you're eating against your own will, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about only if there's a problem. And the problem, we can know there's a problem if we're eating when we're not hungry. Now, that's only a problem if you don't want to be eating when you're not hungry, right? And if and the consequence of that is having weight that you don't want. This is, this is where we get where we're going here. So this is particularly, we're going to use worry as an example, because often when we're waiting, that's the feeling we're having. But you may be having other feelings and it may be a problem or it may not. So I'm just going to invite you to check in on that. So sometimes worry is actually helpful. I mean, we have it for a reason, right? So it alerts us to something we want or need more information about. It's just like, oh, this isn't feeling quite right. This isn't feeling quite right. So it can spur us into action about getting more information, which can be so helpful. So we say, oh, thank you, worry. That was really helpful. I didn't think about getting more information here. And now I have more information and I can easily make a decision. Amazing. So we can modify the things that are in our control, like I can learn more information. But then also what we're learning is what's out of our control, right? So if we are worried and we ask ourselves, what are we worried about? And we make our list of all the things we're worried about. Some of those things we can do something about many of them we can't. And at least knowing the difference there is very helpful. So that's one way of thinking about what you're worried about, addressing the things you have control over, and then noting the things you don't have control over. And it's it's really nice. You can't always do it, but it's really nice to have a plan of how to deal with the things that are not in our control. Because what happens is we'll just spin the things that are out of our control What can happen is we just ask ourselves questions. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And that just has us spinning and worrying more. That just increases anxiety. Remember, I did a podcast number 40 on answering your own questions. That would be a really helpful thing here if you find yourself spinning in that sort of thing. If you have a plan for the pieces that are out of your control, that will be so helpful. The emergency strategy will help with that. And we're going to get to that in number four. But an example of that is like faith. If you have a faith tradition or belief, sometimes that could be super helpful in these kind of situations where you've determined there are things out of your control, and you, but you still have to live with them. Having a bucket to put that in is really helpful. And that's where sort of faith, spirituality, any of that sort of thing can really help. The other thing that can help is labeling it, saying, oh, That's one of those things that's out of my control. And then being able to sort of move along from that. It's not that you're resolving it, but you're labeling it. Oh, 
that piece is out of my control. And so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to live with it. And then each time it comes up, you remind yourself, oh, that's one of those things that's out of my control. I leave it to the universe or that's putting it in that bucket or, you know, or I'm just going to know that that's out of my control. I understand that it is and I'm going to move on. That's two ways of dealing with the out of control piece. Remember, with the ones we have control over, we can actually do something that would be helpful, get more information, make decisions based on that. So that's the the first part of the of worry. So seeing worry as a as a necessary thing as a messenger to us, it's so important, right? We have feelings for a reason and we can use it. The part we don't want is the constant worry. <laughs> that's the part that's really hard. So in order to deal with it, we're anticipating how we're going to feel in these eight days. We're more vulnerable to the fact that we can be worried 24-7 for eight days or however many days we're waiting, okay? So in this anticipation that you're going to feel worry, what we want first to do besides getting to the parts where we can have control and where we don't, then we want to make sure that we're not compounding any difficult feeling. And what I mean by that is we do not want to judge ourselves that we are worrying. Even if it's about the stuff that we don't have control over, we've determined we don't have control over it and our brain keeps offering it up. That's a well-worn pathway and it's not a problem. So we don't want to add suffering on top of the worry, which can happen if we're judging it or criticizing ourselves or blaming ourselves. We're adding a layer of shame. Judgment creates shame. Shame feels particularly awful. So we're worried, we're resisting it, we're judging it, we say it shouldn't be there, and then that, that makes it, that buries it under more pain. So our first job is to get rid of that layer of pain, and that is to not judge ourselves. So it's a, it's a practice of allowing ourselves the emotion, whatever it is, sadness, worry, whatever it is, if it comes up, it's there. We're not saying it shouldn't be there, which is smart of us because it's there, right? So the reality is it's there. Saying it shouldn't be there is not at all helpful and again, adds that layer of judgment. So we're going to allow it to be there and that alone releases so much pain. And that is really important because we end up eating over the shame piece much more even than the worry piece. So if we're releasing the shame piece, we're already there less likely to eat, to try to cope with the shame. But also we are not resisting, we're dealing with reality and we're noticing that the worry is there, okay? This is the first pace, is just anticipating how I'm gonna feel. I bet you after the transfer, I'm going to feel worried. Okay, so good to know. And now we're alerted to look for resistance and judgment and we can do something about that. We can try to be aware of it and at least release that so that we're just feeling the worry. Anticipate it. We're not going to be shocked that it's going to happen. It will be a more emotional week. That's not a problem, especially if we're planning for this. In our anticipation, we're going to be generous with ourselves. It's better to anticipate worry, and then we're going to move into number two and plan for it, rather than be surprised and not have an idea of what we're going to do. It's better to have a, anticipate and have a plan and not need it than to need it and not have it. Around here, we call that, it's like a sweater. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Same with 
anticipating how you'll feel. And then we're moving on to number two, which is plan accordingly. Okay, so anticipating, not judging, allowing it to be there, super important. And then we're going to plan for the fact that we're going to be more emotional that week. So important. So important. Because you're going to anticipate how you're feeling, you're going to plan for your future self. So you know when transfer is going to be, generally. I mean, you know that the day may change a little, but in general, you know when it is. When it is. So you'll know that that week after may be a little more tender. So we're not planning big decisions. We're not planning the most busy thing you've ever done. If you can, of course, everyone's going to have different situations, but this is in the best case scenario, or at least in whichever way you can. If there's something you can move, if there's something you can say no to, if you want plan for the tenderness, you'll do what is possible for you to do that week. What we're doing is we're thinking of our future self. I love this concept of the of future self, right? So, you know, you're today and you know in a week you're going to be doing a transfer. So you know the week after that could potentially be tender. So then we're going to to make room for that, both time-wise potentially, comfort-wise, have your favorites, you know, jacket ready, have your foods available for you so it's easy. You know, you know what I mean? Pl- like plan out what it, what it's going to be as much as you can. Again, sometimes you won't, but any any little thing will make a difference. Do you want to have a haircut before? You know what I mean? So you don't have to think about that. Do you want to get a little extra work done the week before so that you don't have to have as much pressure that week? Think about how your future self will be feeling and what sh- will support her best. That's what we want. And then we want your post-transfer self to be able to look back at your past self and say, oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate that. We love all parts of ourselves, our past, our future, our current, and we want to plan for them accordingly. It really, really makes a difference. So planning, my friends. Okay, so we, we anticipated and then we planned in terms of time and being sensitive to ourselves, not doing the hard things we don't have to do that week, we're going to think about our future self. And then number three is about self-care. Now, it may seem like self-care, like the haircut or a pedicure. That's not what I'm talking about. This is a new definition that I love. One of my teachers, Brooke Castillo, just said this the other day, and I thought, oh, that's it. Self-care is really only about how you talk to yourself. That is my total new definition of self-care, is how you talk to yourself. It's not about the bubble baths. That is planning in my mind. I say take a bath every day if you love baths. That's amazing. And you could see how that could be called self-care, right? You're, you're, you are caring for yourself. So I, I get how that those concepts connected to each other. But true self-care is how you are caring about yourself. And that's most reflected in how you talk to yourself every day. So during the waiting time in particular, of course, I'd love this all the time, but in particular, during waiting, we have to be more vigilant about how we're talking to ourselves. Remember, we're vulnerable. There's unknown. It's scary. So we, we want to watch for the judgment about the feelings. We want to watch for any blame or criticism we're having. We may be, we may be 
unconsciously so used to talking to ourselves critically that when we're more vulnerable, it happens more easily without you noticing. So we actually want to be vigilant about that. And when I say vigilant, I never love that word because I always feel a little tightness around it. But what I mean is that we want to be really aware of how we're talking to ourselves. It's harder to, I don't want us to tolerate mean, critical, judgmental thoughts about ourselves during this time. I never want us to, but it's, it might be more, more likely during this time. And I want us, and it's more important to not speak critically to ourselves during this time. We're just more vulnerable. And again, all of that is what leads to the emotional eating, the judgment, the criticism. So when we're doing self-care, which is talking kindly to ourselves, then we are releasing that part of it, the judgment. We don't need to eat shame when we're not feeling shame, when we're not creating shame for ourselves, really for no reason. I mean, the reason is, is that it's a habit we've gotten into. We thought it was helpful. It questionably was helpful when we were little. It's definitely not helpful now. But we want to catch it so that we can we can feel better. We don't have to feel so crappy. We can worry without judging it. We can feel sad without judging it. When we do those things without judgment, they pass. We've talked about how to process feelings before, but of course, here's a perfect place to do that. And in, under self-care, it works very well. When we have the pure feeling of worry, it's from a thought that we're having. So sometimes it's really helpful to see what that thought is. But if we feel into it and allow it to be there, we're not resisting it, we're not judging it, we're allowing to be there, then we feel it physically. It's usually some sort of vibration, sensation in our bodies, in our chest, in our stomach, in our head. And in fact, that's the way I like to process it best is to notice where it is and how it feels and you describe it to yourself. The color, the shape, the smell, the, you know, whatever, whatever dimension and sensation you can describe is so important because when we do that, we're with it and it passes. It's an an actual physiologic thing that's going on. It's neurotransmitters and, and that sort of thing releasing. It's something actually happens in you, but that, but it gets metabolized literally in a very short amount of time if we don't resist it and have it stay with us. So it's processing it without the judgment is actually something that can be done easily once we get good at it, once we practice it. So self-care is talking kindly, noticing where we're not, and gently stopping the critical talking, the critical speaking in our voice, in our heads. That's the self-care. And then this emergency strategy, this is the last one, and it really, this is a technique, and it will work, and it actually would work for everything. <laughs> It'll be amazing, but in, the, in this anxious time, it will be really helpful. So it's being in the present. So in a really anxious time, our brains can go wild, either being in the past or the future. Usually with waiting times, what we're doing is being in the future, worrying that we're going to get bad news. That's often where our brain is. Also, it can go into the past and beat ourselves up for whatever reason. There's many reasons the brain comes up with for beating ourselves up. Never useful. So Byron Katie talks about whenever we're in the future, we're always in anxiety, which is true, actually, if you think about it, because we're usually never thinking about great things in the future. If you are, I bet there's no anxiety there. Living in our great future is fantastic. feels really good. But usually that's not what we're doing. If we're if we're in our future, it's often anxiety. And if we're in our past, it's usually guilt. So we're beating ourselves up for some decision we 
think we made wrong. So the answer then is to be in the present. And we know everything is okay in the present. And how do we know that? Because in this very moment, you're breathing, you're here. Even if there's some discomfort, some uncomfortable emotion, you are in the process of handling it. In this moment, you are okay. It's really, it's kind of mind-blowing. It's re- it really works. Now, the moment can be gone, but then you have the next moment and you are okay. Even if you're in something terrifying, if you're having a procedure, if you're anything, you are okay in that exact moment. So remembering that can be so helpful. It, it, it's like a little respite from the anxiety. If you're just feeling like solid anxiety the whole time, which is completely possible, it's, it's not a problem. If you need a break, this will give you that break, being in the present right now. Now, sometimes it's, we're, think, we're so worried and thinking of the future in a bad way that it's hard to do that, hard to remember to be present, but also how do we get present? And my favorite way is using all your senses. So what does it smell like where you are? What does it sound like where you are? How are you feeling? Literally, like with, can you feel something with your hand? So even touching your own fingers, putting your hand on your chest and feeling the breath go up and down. These are using your senses to get into the present moment. And if you aren't feeling complete peace in the moment, which is totally possible, we don't have to feel complete peace, but what you are able to see is that you are handling the situation. You are handling the moment. You get a clear picture of what anxiety unresisted feels like in your body and you can handle it. And often if we're, if we're in the moment and we feel some discomfort, then we can identify it as anxiety even because if we're, if we're really in the moment, we're not judging it. We can just sense it and you're handling it. So coming back to this, this is the emergency strategy when you're just, when, cause you know, sometimes we can feel so overwhelmed by the anxiety. It just, it just feels overwhelming. It's too much. And Going here, getting into the present moment is something that can help. It could at least break the the cycle. Answering any questions your brain is saying, because if you get into a cycle of that, like what if, what if, what if, what if, then you answer the questions. That's another way. But getting in the present moment in terms of where you actually are physically in your body right here is also a really great place to give you a start over, to, to begin again and have a little bit of peace to start from getting rid of any of the judgment thoughts because you're doing self-care, you're thinking kindly, and you're working your plan because you've given yourself a little space and other forms of comfort, all because you anticipated your needs. This is beautiful. You can absolutely get through the waiting period. You definitely, definitely can. So I'm going to recap. For waiting without waiting. One, anticipate how you'll feel. You're going to be generous and think of your future self. Two, you're going to plan accordingly giving yourself time, comfort, space, anything you're going to need based on what you anticipated it will feel like. Three, you're using self-care, our new definition, which is speaking kindly, looking for judgment and the suffering that comes with judgment and seeing that you don't have to have that piece of it, speaking kindly. And then number four is the emergency, emergency strategy of being in the present moment. And if it feels hard to do that, you can use your senses to do that. Smell, what do you see? And you describe that to yourself. I see a doorknob. I see a water bottle. Or going outside is amazing. I see a tree. I see a bird. I mean, that's fantastic. Extra, that it works extra well if you get yourself outside. 
So that's how you get through the waiting periods. It's a way that feels better physically and emotionally, and it rewires your brain away from eating to cope. So that's all we're doing is we're giving you different strategies than only eating. Some of us really, we only, our only strategy for dealing with the difficult things is eating and it just doesn't work long-term. So that's why we want to have different ways of dealing with it. And when you're able to watch yourself handling difficult emotions in a way that's more pure without the judgment and the resistance in there also, you can see that there's so much you can handle because you are a badass. It's just true. And you can be a badass without eating when you don't want to, because there are other ways of handling it that feel better, that more directly relate to the issue, feeling a feeling. Amazing. Love you, my friend. I'm so happy to be with you. I'm so excited for your waiting times because there is such potential for excitement also. I I hesitate to put that in there because it can be hard to hear that part, but it's just true. There could be so much excitement. You don't have to force yourself to think that, but I I just want to put that in there that there might be times too when you get excited. And yet we're allowed to give ourselves some of that too. When we don't know the future, we're allowed to be worried about it and we're also allowed to be excited for it. You, You get to be excited for the excited parts and now you can handle the more uncomfortable parts. I'm just sending you so much love. Until next week. If you follow, share, rate and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous. Fabulous.